0: Welcome to In The Soup, the podcast by restaurateurs for restauranteurs. I'm Christian, a former restaurateur who has set up a predictive analytics and forecasting platform. I took what I learned from my days running restaurants to build Tenzo, an app that makes running restaurants much more zen. Tenzo is about giving managers and head office actionable insights. So I thought, what better way to add to that than to talk to real restaurateurs about their journeys to hopefully help others facing the same challenges? Welcome to our fifth episode of In the Soup, where I talked to Barak Piled, the co so, founder of Morso, founder of Gislander and generally having a long career in hospitality. I, I was actually looking at your LinkedIn profile earlier on and, and, and see that you now describe yourself as a trainee virus controller, always alert. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But uh, we're, we're, as always, recording from the comfort of each other's home due to the ongoing pandemic. Um, I, I just wanted to start by saying thank you, Barack, for taking the time to speak to me today. I, I, I know you're busy and there's there's lots going on in your various businesses that I'm excited to hear about. But I'd love to get you to start by just telling uh, the audience a little bit about you. Give us an intro uh, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank, thank you, Christine. Thank you for having me on. And in a sense, it's a conversation we've both been waiting to have anyway for a long time. So <laughs> so there's, you know, there's a silver lining in every crisis and now we, now we get to have a little chat. Um, but again, thank you for having me. And uh, just for the audience, I... I'm an Israeli born, I came to uh, England in 2004 for a summer job. Um, But after two days, I decided I'm never coming back home. (laughs) I thought London was uh, 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 way too nice a place to to go back to Israel for. (laughs) Sorry to all my Israeli
0: friends. (laughs) Yes, let's hope there's none listening from there.
1: and so yes I came for a short uh, job and I ended up staying here permanently I met my wife here I um um you know I've got children now and and I see myself as part of the um you know part of the um country and uh you know in in on from a career side <clears throat> I I came here to run a coffee shop um, I was running a coffee shop back in Israel, and somebody who knew me offered me the the, the short term job for the summer to help. And uh, I got here. I ran that coffee shop, and really, I didn't look back since I I managed, um, uh, restaurants, coffee shops, and, um, uh, larger operations towards the end. Um I think in two thousand and eleven, I made a move to hotels, and I got a got a chance to work for Park Plaza, uh, a phenomenal project, the the new opening in 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 Waterloo. And from there on, I moved to Gales, which, again, was a, a brilliant experience, um, right when the company was just starting its growth uh, spur. And and on from there, really, I, I decided to become a consultant uh, and a trainer. I, I went on a sort of an individual path. But we can we can talk about it. <laughs>
0: totally. And so, so uh, more, more recently um, you've uh, uh, founded Morso. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about the journey uh, that, that, that took you up to, to, to Morso and, and, and would just love to hear more about, about Morso too.
1: It's, a, it's actually a beautiful story when, when, when we look back. Um, Paolo, my partner, who is also the main partner in, 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 in Morso and, 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 a, and, and a very close friend of mine, Um, We met in Henley-on-Thames when we both worked in uh, Strada over 10 years ago. So I joined as an assistant general manager and he was a sous chef. Uh, But within a month, the general manager left and the head chef left and we were left running the restaurant. Nice! (laughs) Ourselves, yes. Um, And a few weeks later, we found out that we lived in very close proximity in a nearby village of Burnham. So we were driving home back uh, together and we, we really became friends. Um didn't last very long paolo left uh, uh went back to Italy for a short while and I left strada but we kept on uh, in touch we stayed friends and over the years um you know I needed help sometimes and he pulled through and he needed help sometimes and i uh, supported him and when I started my my consulting business uh, um gist um it was round about the time when he was an area chef for Muriel's Kitchen and he decided he wa- he, he wants to retire. He he pretty much done everything. He worked for Jamie's, uh, he worked for Carluccio's and <clears throat> he was a group chef for Muriel's Kitchen. And he, he was ready, he felt ready to do something on his own with Vanessa, which is his uh, girlfriend and also partner in Mosso. So it all started with a chat, you know, uh, can you give me a hand? Can you explain to me how you open a company or uh, um uh, you know the basics. You know how do we pick up a name and, you know, general general talks. I wasn't planning on becoming a partner at that point. It was a friendly help. <laughs> but things got busier and busier and more demanding, and we ended up launching uh more so as a pop up concept, um, which we've done five events in the Vagabond in Islington, and then we've done two more months in Gail's Kitchen, the old Gail's Kitchen in Bloomsbury, um. They were very nice to give us two nights a week permanently for cool. for two months. So we had like a like a permanent residence there. Yeah, and most of that was run from the back of my old Toyota. So we used to cook in Paulo's home, <laughs> and and pack my car. I mean, honestly, I never seen it this full, and then drive all the way from Brixton to Bloomsbury, um, you know, roll out the event or to Islington and then drive back three o'clock in the morning with all this stuff home. Um, it, it was. <laughs> it was. It was an experience. It, it
0: remind. It reminds me back to the days where we started Hummus Brothers and were doing that, like driving and cooking it uh, at at home or in in this like community kitchen we'd we'd found and we we're renting and dr- driving it to the markets and like setting up it. It. it it's. Incredible how much you, you must have learned doing that though, like just being able to see like people's reaction to what you were serving and, and all that. What did, did you find that was helpful for that?
1: It helped a lot. It helped really gaining the confidence. We didn't really need the, the experience of learning how to run a restaurant. Uh, it was very natural for us to step into a service. Um, but uh, to get the confidence that, that, that the, you know, even the price point, uh, what people are willing to pay for your product and the feedback they give you and uh, whether the concept works you know everything looks nice on a presentation but when it's actually on the table and people are starting to eat you find out if it, the plates are too big or too small or too many um, etc so it was a very useful ex- exercise for us i have to say um, and we we did it from july all the way through to christmas of, of 2017 and um and then in 2018 we started looking at a permanent location and by March we signed and by May we opened um in oh, 2018 that's pretty quick mm-hmm. it was very quick <laughs> yes um so yeah that was really the the journey we split we split and again i think part of the advice uh, um i would give yeah I, I, it might be a different question but we're going to flow this uh, conversation naturally but part of the advice i might give people who are wanting to start this business is just don't do it alone um it's it it has proved m- many times that having the the team with you is is uh, is the difference between be, between going under and seeing it through to another day and it it might just be a psychological effect you know i might have a bad week and in that time, Paolo and Vanessa will have a great week. And when they're having a bad week, I'm going to have a good week. But it's beyond that. It's just the ability to rely on... I mean, the task of running a restaurant business is so complex. Yeah. Um, It's so demanding. And you don't realize that even as a GM, even as an operations manager, you just don't realize that... that um. I, d- I don't of... think
0: people outside the industry often realize. I, I mean, I think that the the, the common... Conception is to say, hey, you get get someone to cook some food. You get some waiters to serve it. Open the door, people walk in. You serve the yes. food. You know, that's that's what they see. But but you're right. I agree with you 100. You know, between the operational side, the the the, the financial side, uh, the health and safety side, and like the, the the number of elements that have to be sought out to really run a successful operation. It, it, and I agree with you on the point of saying being able to do it with someone. Is, is huge because of that, like support, but also like different, uh, like expertise. And there's just expertise. so much to do. Yeah.
1: Yes, and it's a learning curve. I think you you know you learn all the time, and 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 it's good when you have partners who want to learn the things you don't want to learn, and and then you're learning the things they don't want to learn. Um, but 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 as a group, you you're all getting the necessary knowledge. Whereas if you're alone, you're stuck. You know, you you're, you, you you will learn what you have to learn, and you will not learn
0: what you don't want to learn. So, um, so so which which other bits you want to do? Which other bits you take care of at at uh, more so? Um, it started with
1: really trying to help configuring the service culture around it. I was I, I, I know now in hindsight I was very influenced by the way we did service in Gail's kitchen. Um, the small plates, the casual but I call it casual fine dining. It's 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 the quality of the food is a fine dining. Um, quality of food but the the service element is very casual mm-hmm. um and you don't have to chase your customers with six different sets of cutlery you know uh to to go through a meal it's 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 very relaxed and that a bit and the small plates so you don't commit to a twenty eight pounds dish but you have three or four you know little eight nine pounds plates mm-hmm. uh I thought the whole sharing concept the whole uh, tasting it's very much like tapas um um, so, and I tried to bring that Gail's kitchen influence into uh, uh also work with Vanessa on the front of house, but Vanessa is a very capable front of house um manager if you like and she uh, pretty quickly took over from me and 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 uh, very cap- capable of doing it on her own and I took a step back and and what I do in the business is more of the strategic if you like business type um uh, work um which again has been my growth curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's more on
0: the fundraising, on like where to get Fun, fundraising, like what to, yeah?
1: Yes, I think these bits, I mean, fundraising, uh, of course, uh, and I learned a lot doing it, but also uh, finding new locations, deciding how many if we need new locations, um, working with the accountants and making sure the books look like we want them to look, um, working with you know insurers and HR consultants and the solicitors on the lease agreements and this is it's been a marvelous uh, growth curve, uh, a, a for me, a learning experience for me, but in the same time I felt Paulo was, you know Paulo was busy trying to get his head around being a business owner and and really, um, putting the menu together. Vanessa has become operations director overnight, um, so I could I could settle in and really get get into the um. You know the nitty-gritty of the can call it business side mm-hmm. um i did study a little bit of law here I, I i went to the open i took an open university a couple of open university courses uh back in the day and i covered employment and i covered commercial which is contracts and i found that both of these um were very handy when you come to read a document Big time. Big time. yes
0: um yeah. and, and- you guys were way ahead of the curve here when it, when it comes to the lockdown. And uh, I think you started your, your delivery service uh, uh, a week before the, the restaurants were told to shut. Uh, you've, you, you've tried to um, uh, deliver groceries also. So, like, think about what the community need. Uh, I'd just love to hear a, like, that seems kind of obvious now but at the time was not obvious, right? So uh, tell me a little bit, how were you like thinking about that? Like wh- what made you think, hey guys, we've got to get on this quickly and, 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 what, and what went through your mind and how did you, how did you look at it? Um, panic mainly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a strong force.
1: <laughs> well, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, the, you know, it's an unprecedented time. You, you cannot really say anybody has been trained. Uh, to deal with that, uh, with this kind of situation. And, and we got double whammy, if you like, we just spent a quarter of a million opening our second restaurant uh, when this has happened. So we opened Cancel Ken- Rise on the 12th, I think, or 13th of March. And by the 19th, we were, t-
0: <laughs> we were told to shut. That's that's a, that's a, that must have been in itself like very difficult because you just ramped up with all the teams, getting ready yes. for this new store, this new restaurant, and, and, and suddenly you're told to shut. So it uh, yes. added that complexity onto it. I can't imagine how hard that must have been.
1: I mean, it, it, was, it was hard. And I think, again, what helped was, again, being in a team and and finding that, you know, pa- Paolo and Vanessa did not believe me. So I was... I was uh, scaremongering them from February I was saying, look, guys, it's going to go to a shutdown, to a lockdown, um, you know. And, it, and it, what it,
0: made you feel that? Was it the news from Italy? Was it the news from China? Like what what uh, what gave you that felt feeling?
1: It, it, yes, I think it was the news from 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 China and the way the way the Chinese model, if you like, was adopted in, early on in Europe Um and also Israel, so I talked to people in Israel, and at that point you could see it ramping up in the United States, and you knew they will do something about it and and to be fair i've done a, i 've done a whole plan, and I presented it to our shareholders and I did estimate two weeks of shutdown no well wow. four not, months.
0: Not, not not ten weeks as as, as such already, and still some exactly. more to go yeah
1: so i I was ahead of the curve, but I just I was off. I was way too optimistic. <laughs>
0: um, I think everyone I, what, was at the beginning, you know. No yes. one, no one ever thought it was going to be this long. Yeah.
1: No, no. But what what I thought was, we will see um, uh, what uh, we will see a drop, sort of, in in in, in consumer interest, if you like, I, uh, what you call self isolation. I thought people would rather stay home and avoid public spaces, and just when that will reach a peak, the government will say, guys, stay. You know, let's just shut all businesses for two or three weeks to to flatten the curve and then you will see people returning to those venues but in in the same order that they've avoided them the people who are at the highest risk will stay home for longer and the people who feel a little bit more safe will start coming out so i saw a, a, a sort of a, a, an upside down bell curve if you like of of um of a, of a, an impact on the business but i didn't see a total absolute shutdown for for this long none of us have. um but while while paolo was really really busy opening the second restaurant so he is in charge of the project so paolo has been dealing with contractors with gas engineers and with you know with deliveries of of, of uh, and, and making sure the restaurant is ready and vanessa has been running the first restaurant which has been phenomenally busy in january february we've, we've had our best two months since we opened great um so i had the luxury of just reading the news and panicking
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and and scaring these guys Little, little did they know that you were right.
1: <laughs> no, it's true. I remember these conversations. I mean, I, I was like, guys, you know, they, they might come a day when they will tell us to lock, to shut down. And Paolo was like, what are you talking about? It's never going to happen. Um, yes, and in, 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 yes, and, and again, it, it came, but, but I, I took it on myself as a responsibility. So that was my role within the team, you know. Um, Paolo had to deal with the opening. Vanessa had to keep the other restaurant running and And I had to keep the business alive at that point it became my uh my uh priority to really um uh investigate this and see and see see what we can do and so Abhi, yes, so
0: so how did you so okay i mean in itself, I think that's amazing that you were so ahead of the curve i think you know most of us were just like yeah let's just keep you know business as usual uh, so so you thought what delivery obviously like what t- tell me about the, the the different levers you started thinking about
1: i i thought my main concern was really um in three areas but my main concern was for cash because we, we we spent a lot of money opening the second restaurant and um and, and we were still spending hundreds of pounds a week on on silly things like uh you know uh, toilet roll hangers for the bathrooms mm-hmm. and and different life fi- fittings and then you buy one and you don't like it so you buy another one and at one point i panicked and i got guys look stop ordering stuff because we're gonna need this money mm-hmm. um so that was i think cash was the main concern and and the other concern was the team we just doubled up the team for the new restaurant and 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 i was worried if if even if we weren't going for a lockdown but we had to suffer a sustaining 50 percent you know slower business that means those guys will not get the hours so what do you do with those people and how you talk to them um and really making sure that our our, our team stays on board they understand that if that we will not be sparing any anything on their on their account um, and we ring this together but our priority is to look after them and um, and we show them our bank statements we show them how much money we have we show them how how long it will last for and we really did a big meeting you know with everybody 24 team members sat in one big room and we just explained to them what we're heading for and and we, we, we told them that we will do our best to look after them. Um, and that was a concern. And the third one was really the community, was how to stay busy when you're not allowed to trade. Mm. And uh, and, I, and I think that was, the, that, that was the key because I thought as long as we can stay busy, uh, we're not going to lose hope. Um, as long as there is somebody out there that might need us, um, and we can deliver, uh, deliver not in the delivery meaning, but deliver uh, to their expectations. Um, we 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 will remain relevant, and if you remain relevant, if you are needed, that gives you that uh, a bit of hope and leeway that you that you know that you can see to the other side. And there were a couple of local churches, a church and a hospital that we reached out to in Christmas, and we offered to do a little you know Christmas tea, lunch for them. Um, and we didn't in the end. It didn't work out. But I immediately reached out to them. And I said, guys, look, I know you guys are doubling up your shifts right now. Just to let you know, the guys in Mosul here are... Uh, we've been quieter than we used to be. And we would be happy to deliver some meals out to you. And and we did. They responded and we did. And we you know we just cooked a big meal and, 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 and lunch. And we sent it. And we've done it weekly since. Um, and that was a big thing. We We got phone numbers of our neighbors. And I got... So I wanted to give my staff hours. So I said, listen, instead of sitting at home, come to the restaurant and ring and use your phones and call. We have 5,000 people database. I said, call everybody. Yeah. Fuck. Excuse me. Um, so good. Ignore, a, ignore GDPR for a second because this is not a marketing campaign right now. Okay. This is a community information campaign. You're going to ring every number and tell them, look, you might be self-isolating, you might be going into a full lockdown. You need to know that we are open and we can look after you so if you need us to bring groceries we 'll bring groceries. If you need us to take your dog for a walk we'll take your dog for a walk That's amazing um, uh, yes, and we rang each one. It took us three weeks, four weeks almost to go through these numbers
0: uh, What was the reaction of people when you called them how, how did they how did they react
1: uh, ph- uh, phenomenal i i I expected people to shut the phones on us to say i 'm not interested to why are you calling me? How did you get my number? Um but no, but I, and you know we had a, our whole team was calling. Even one of our girls, she went she ha- does have a, a health condition and she was worried, so she went to, into self isolation very early on. But we emailed her some of the contact lists and she was calling from her mobile phone. Um so the whole team was making phone That's calls. So and, you, cool. and you can see that the reaction they got gave them the confidence to make the next phone yeah, call. Yeah. Because yeah, sure. none of none of them is a trained salesperson, but people were like oh wow thank you and what's the link and can i call you back and do you do this and can i get that and and it's been phenomenal so so and that really helped us because again it kept us very busy in the first week or two of, of uncertainty if you like
0: and and i think i think it's interesting because reaching out to people at a time where people there was quite a lot of of worry at the time right people were just yes. like what are we what are we facing what is it looking like you know how many deaths and like you know every night there was a press conference it's like this many yes. new deaths like the prime minister was coming on like regularly like we were seeing this as global so people a lot of people were quite worried so it, it, reaching out at that time i think will have brought you a lot of goodwill also with 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 the community around you i think that's it's a very very uh, uh, incredible thing to have done uh, so
1: possibly and 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 um, and and again, I don't know. I I it's hard to say now if w- looking back, what I was thinking, um, but I just knew we had to act. I I knew if the guys will be at home demoralized, if my partners will not know what we're doing, if the community will feel like uh, we've gone into a retraction mode, and they have not heard from us, and they can't visit us, and maybe we have closed all together, um, and we have you know the the average uh, community where we where we trade in in Saint John's Wood. I would say our average customer is over sixty years old. Wow. So so we knew we were actually looking after people who would be in self isolation even before the lockdown went in. So it was and, and, and that's why maybe they took it very well. Um because it was a genuine reaching out. And some of my guys still now uh do shopping for their for their neighbors. They they they, they, they literally go to the grocery, they get stuff and they drop it by the door just because they asked. So we do all of that plus the hospital deliveries plus Um, you know, we dropped flyers and I told my staff, I said, you're knocking on the door and you're waiting for the person to open and you present yourself. Don't just drop the flyer. Mm. I want a face-to-face conversation. I want you to say, uh, I'm from Oslo and you're in self-isolation and we can deliver to you if you need and this is a flyer with information.
0: Amazing.
1: Um, After a few days, uh, they told me they can't do it anymore because people were really upset. People Mm were scared to open the door yeah, and speak yeah. to somebody and i think we, we dropped that but the intention was let's reach out to the community um
0: and and, did. and and so like so it sounds like you're saying that people are still your your team is still helping to to to, to deliver so that's been going on for all this time that's uh that's incredible yes. that it's
1: yes i think one of the one of the again we wanted to give hours to the team yeah so so i said um, we need to deliver you know bring your bicycle um and and drive delivers around i mean it 's only a mile and a half so at worst case it 's a ten minute cycle up and down the road um and uh, and deliver and and uh so, yeah, the guys delivered, the
0: guys that's, are delivering. That's amazing. That, what what a fantastic way to respond to to to, to the the crisis, especially in the, in the early days like this. So, t- tell me, uh, let's talk a little bit now about how uh, the, the effect of the coronavirus on the wider industry. Um, obviously, there's been this lockdown that's been going on for 10 weeks. We're now starting to talk about potentially reopening in July. We're talking about, like, uh, you know, furlough schemes. Uh, there's a lot to debate around this, and I know you've got some pretty strong views on 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 a number of matters here. So, uh, first of all, I'd just like to 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 hear your thoughts on how do you think the governments responded so far? Like for for, for the for the industry for the restaurant industry specifically. Uh,
1: um, <clears throat> I I I could not ask have asked for more. I I I think. Um, it 's been beyond the expectation um anybody could have i mean it, to, the, to the point where it 's slightly worrying, where you think where where, the, where, the, where where was all this talent and ambition and responsibility and resilience and resourcefulness and money uh, was hiding when you just had to pay for the Grenfell tower victims to be rehomed I mean why some things take ten years and and uh and then and then in ten days there is a whole platform of supporting millions of of businesses um so it's it's it, it 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 but it threw into i mean it showed you how efficient the government can be when it
0: wants to be <laughs> yes they've done very well on that front that must, very I must well sell,
1: yeah. I, I, I mean i've got friends in the states i've got friends in italy we've got friends in spain and of course i'm from israel and the the pictures of um business owners crying outside their business, uh, saying I cannot feed my children anymore. Um, they just didn't happen here, uh, unless I wasn't looking at the right
0: No, challenge. you're right. They ha- we haven't seen anything. Like we that. haven't seen it. And, right. and, and the
1: level of, um, um, if you like, um, I don't know if neglect is the right word, but the, 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 the way in which governments in other countries have thrown this crisis back at businesses and say, well, it's up to you. Um, is contrasted by the amount of support that was uh, offered here and it's it, you just you know i mean i mean I have clients and friends who run multiple businesses, and you know if they were lucky enough to have their business rate under fifty one k they 've got uh twenty five thousand pounds yes for each for each door. so if you 've got three or four businesses you 've got a hundred thousand pounds cash you've you, you know you have a year you have a year. A discount in business rates, which amounts to another hundred thousand pounds, maybe in cash of, on four businesses, um, then furlough has looked after all of your staff, you know, millions of pounds, and now the bounce back loans have been released. Um, um, it's a phenomenal amount of money. I mean, some I know, I know businesses who are better off cash wise now than they were before the crisis. Yeah,
0: um, it's it's been incredible. They've they've really gone above and beyond on that way but i think in a way that's been i don't want to say the easy part because nothing's been easy as such but it's uh, compared to what it comes next as in how do we come out of this um i think i think that's you know how do you turn these furlough schemes off how do you get people to to operate again how do you get how do you support consumption right like a lot of people will have less disposable income like how how do you see like what are your thoughts about that like how 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 do you think it should be done
1: Uh, i mean my first and i'm i'm not in any way taking responsibility of uh, advising the government here
0: but i'll be sending this on directly to to (laughs) bojo after this yeah
1: well he needs any help these days so (laughs) No, no um but i think um, first, maybe, maybe, I, I think maybe some of the people in the government um, did also didn't think it's going to last this long. Yeah. So they, went, they went, when they said, we're, we're going to pay everybody's wages, maybe they were just like me. They were thinking, OK, two, three weeks.
0: You know? And um, also, I think the other thing they didn't think about, and, and this is the bit I was surprised about, because I think you're right. The, the, the length, I think no one knew, including in government. But the take up, I think they were surprised of how many people took this up, which that bit surprised me. I thought if you're doing know. something like this, you've got to assume a huge portion will take it up. And,
1: and you know the numbers. I mean, you know how many people are on RTIs every month. You know how many people uh, are, are on, working in hospitality um, <clears throat> and, and the, the other industries. So, I mean, I've got a friend who is a watchmaker you know he's uh he goes to a, a a place where he puts together you know little watches and it's a very highly skilled job uh, but when he was not allowed to go to work anymore he sat at home and he was paid furlough and it's nothing to do with hospitality yeah, yeah, but it just yeah. shows you the the it just shows you the range of of jobs which have been affected but i, I i'm so, I, like like you i'm surprised that they didn't know mm-hmm. that that would be the the, the uptick. and again then you had the um small business directors asking to be included and then you had uh, self-employed asking to be included and, and the government had to respond to all Mm-mm. of this and they've tried so I, I think on that financial side uh, I, I cannot um, fault the, the response of the government uh, at all
0: And uh, there's one aspect of it that I think that I'd I'd like to talk about specifically, which is uh, so I think earlier this week, um, a group of 26 MPs asked for trunk to be included, uh, and it's not the first time it's been asked about. Um, What are your views uh, on that? I know I know that it's it's kind of it is difficult also because uh trunk in particular in some cases uh, is notified to HMRC in some cases isn't so you know is it fair or unfair but but broadly like on the matter of trunk what what is your what is your view uh,
1: thank you for uh, uh sending me such a low ball <laughs> uh, christian i i i i do have a lot to say on trunk um Please but I, but us. I think but I think to some people and and outside and when this crisis started I I actually I was working on a, a type of a petition myself and I reached out to a number of employment lawyers, and you'd be surprised how even employment lawyers have no unless they're dealing with hospitality they don't know what I'm talking about. It's such an industry specific mechanism. Yeah. Um, um. That that and that's why I think the greater public has just no interest uh, in in making a view on it one way or another. But. Um, if you are working in the industry, um, you you're likely to to know what trunk is, and the, the 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 main issue with trunk is. For me, it's a moral hazard more than um anything else, and I think uh, the government with their response, they've tried to avoid moral hazards. That's why they didn't want to uh to to put self-employed people on on furlough, for example, and and I think that the 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 issue with with with, with trunk, Um is well is a complex a a, a mechanism but in in its essence um there is a there is a potential double fraud there is a one one fraud certainly but there's a double fraud potentially so so when when customers pay service they are assuming that that service ends up in the pockets of the waiters additional to their income
0: yeah and when you talk about service here you're talking about like the Twelve percent that's added to yes. your bill. Yeah.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, when when there's a service added to the bill, um, the, the the consumers and they're right. And there was there's a ruling in the in the European uh, Human Rights Court about 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 this specific matter, and the ruling was that yes, um, uh, consumers when they leave a tip or a service, um, they 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 are right to assume that it ends up in the pockets of the of the service staff, in addition to the wages, not a part of the wages, in addition to the wages so um and 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 that's one and and what happens is some companies have elected to use trunk as a part of the wages that they pay uh, staff, not uh, in addition um but this, this this has happened when the minimum wage has gone up and I think companies thought well if I have to pay nine pounds if I have to pay nine pounds an hour um uh, in any case um uh, and if I promise my supervisors they will get twelve pounds per hour so they will get nine pounds per hour and the other three pounds I will use service charge for and um, and, and when you have uh, employees uh, being promised a certain wage but then part of this wage is being subsidized by trunk um, I think that's when you break the moral link where uh, b- b- between the consumer and the staff member um, okay. mm-hmm. and what and what happened here is is that trunk has to be declared on payslip so I know for example a chef uh, in a very well known company which I will not name um, who was working on a £40,000 a year salary as a head chef um, only to find out when the, when the furlough money came that only 20000 a year was paid to him by the company and the other 20000 was trunk. Wow. he never bothered looking um, and what it means now that he's only getting 80% out of 50% out of his...
0: Wow Yeah, so he's getting 16,000 instead of like, uh, well, 32,000 basically. Exactly. Which is a huge difference, right? A huge difference.
1: And and this has hit a lot of people in the industry and they've been calling me and that's why I've tried to arrange this petition. So there is a problem here where, where, that's why I say it's a double fraud. You can call it fraud, but I mean there's a a double um, misconception. Mm -hmm. Customers think the tip is being added to the wage, uh, which is one problem, but then you got employees thinking they are on a certain salary and and not understanding the way the payslip is presented, that some of the salary is actually subsidized by service and you know, come a crisis like this and they're not covered Mm. for it. yes so, and so, and it 's not
0: to, to the point you 're making is not to their fault so, so, so they 're getting penalized because uh, their employer has set this up in a way that is uh, without explaining to them so they don 't understand the risk yes. that was attached and on top of that there's the kind of it's unfair from the customer point of view because the customer is thinking that this is over and above the normal wages that would have yes. been agreed yeah
1: yes so so this is the problem we have, and now you have businesses saying um, we want the government to then subsidize uh trunk money, so we've been so effectively what some businesses are saying is, look, for years now we've been um, taking a, a, a customer's a tip money and using this to pay wages um, so we've been we've been we've been possibly twice fraudulent by by taking it from the customers and not telling the staff they're being paid by tips um, and now we want the government to subsidize our lie. Um, or again, call it however you like. Because to be fair to the businesses, trunk is a government uh, sort of... Uh, 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 Mechanism. It's a, it's a scheme that the government put together, and it's an industry-specific scheme, so they were not breaking the law by doing that. It was just making the most out of a loophole. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: if you... <coughs> and, not, and not being upfront with the different stakeholders.
1: Not being yeah. upfront, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what we have now is a situation where, the, where the businesses are coming back and say, well, if you don't pay us the trunk, in furlough, we're gonna end up with people like this chef who are being paid less than half of their wage, and if they have rents to pay, um, uh, they're out of pocket. They they, they can't, cannot make it, and and I understand the, the complexity of the government because they don't want to. It's like a director directors, you know, cannot claim, um, dividends, in furlough, and and a, and a dividend is a great way to avoid some. Income tax in normal days and the government knows that that, that a lot of directors are posting themselves uh, Very low wages and then they add to it uh, Expenses and then they add to it uh, Dividends and it makes for a good tax package and, and this is the job of, of tax advisors to make tax optimization for limited companies It's not you're not breaking the law. Yeah, but to come now to the government and say look Can you sponsor my dividends? Can you sponsor my other expenses? is a bit unfair, and I think that's what's happening with the trunk. Um, so we have a problem here that, it, that 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 if the government says we we're not stepping in, um, because you've been taking money anyway and and using it in, in, incorrectly, um, customers cannot step in because they've already paid service, uh, and employees do not have the power to to claim more than they they than they're getting. Um, uh, the 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 effect of this is that normal employees are being penalized um for something that is completely not their uh, was never their fault totally to the extent that it's a, it's, it's everybody's responsibility to to uh, to study their contract and yeah. to understand their pay slip um totally but,
0: yeah but it's it 's affecting them i totally get the the, the point you 're making and and I can imagine the government just just like you're aware of this. Uh, loophole for the you know for this specific situation for the hospitality. I'm sure there's dozens of of uh, industries out there that will have other special setups right. that, that you and I are not aware of just because we're not in those industries. And they're probably getting calls left, right and said to say, can you please include this one? Can you please include this one? Yes. And, and, and it's, it must be extremely hard for them because, you know, why do you say yes to this one and not to this one? Right. So, so uh, I, I think on balance, looking at how they've done it, I think they've done a remarkable job I- I- I on that front uh, in terms of yes. looking after My-
1: my my, if I were the government, I would. I mean, to be honest, there is no simple way out of it. Um, my advice is for uh, um, call it advice. My advice is for individual employees to seek legal advice. Mm-hmm. To go and uh, start with acas and then make a phone call to an to an employment lawyer and say, look, my contract says thirty thousand, my pay slip says thirty thousand. I've paid income tax and national insurance contribution on thirty thousand. Come furlough time. I discovered that um, the company has been using a, a tip money to, mm-hmm. to top up to my contractual wage. Is this acceptable or not? And maybe if enough of those people will come up, um, you know, th- there might be a solution that will come through the courts and not through uh, the government. Um, but either way, you, you, what you're going to end up is if businesses will have to now backtrack trunk payments three, four, five, seven years... Um, uh, and pay those, uh, you know, and that would be found to be, you know, whatever wrong, yeah, though, yeah. unlawful or whatever. Then, then businesses will go out of business. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah you're right. There's no,
0: there's no easy solution, and, and and in this, really, when you think about it, you, you feel for the for the employees who are who are caught up I, because I'll, they're, I'll, they're the ones that are like really suffering the most. Because of I this.
1: know, but but I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing, and and you know, when we set up Morsel, we decided that we're not going to take sales charge. Yeah. And we, because we've seen the way it's corrupting organizations, you know, we've worked for big companies, and again, I don't need to name them, but we, we've seen the, the way it's corrupting companies and management. And we said we, we don't want anything to do with that. And we have a message on the bottom of our menu saying, we, are not, uh, we do not believe in charging you for service. Um, if you want to tip, tip the waiters. They get to keep all of it and we've gone above and beyond so when when a when a customer leaves a tip by card that waiter keeps that sleep. and in the night we change it for him for cash so so we take on ourselves the card processing fees the the uh, all of the issue with fixing the accounts because you're putting cards in and taking cash out uh and and, and sorting out revenue and taxation we take all of this on ourselves but if a waiter got 100 pound tips in, in, in on one night by card at the end of the night, you will take £100 from the tip mm-hmm. from the uh, till and walk home with it. And, uh, and, and I think some businesses should have taken that course and say, look, we don't want to deal with that. It's too much of a moral hazard. Uh, I know businesses who are losing money if they, if they need to factor out service charge.
0: Because it's
1: twelve. Because it's twelve percent of your revenue. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's huge, right? And, and and so that's interesting. Because do you think things like that are going to change how the the industry operates? Because to to me, this is a fundamental. Uh, you rightly point out. You know, a lot of companies are using this. Uh, and I think a lot of things will change after this. We're not just going to go straight back, right? I mean, w- you and I did a webinar yesterday where, where, where we were talking about how, obviously, delivery, uh, click and collect, some of what you've been doing in terms of helping the community. Like, what what do you think is going to change in, in, in the restaurant industry post this?
1: Um, I worry that not much. Um, really? Uh, yes, I, I think the resilience of this industry is also it's downfall in a sense or uh, um um uh, you know people love what they do you know why did i become a waiter when i was 17 years old because it was fun uh because all the waitresses around me were pretty because customers were tipping me because i got to work in the nights and be off in the days and and all of all all of that fun and i and i got to eat the best cakes and the best food um and all of those things that are attracting people to the industry uh, from a very young uh, very early age. And then if you do your job slightly good, you become a supervisor and before you know it you're an assistant manager, and then maybe they put you on a program and three years down the line you're a GM um or four years down the line you're a GM or head chef. Um, you don't stop to ask yourself, Oh, am I getting paid by trunk? Or um uh, you know you, 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 I, 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 I i don't think that, that the, the employees of this industry uh, of of our industry are gonna turn into overnight lawyers mm-hmm. be, be, because of what's happened and and again you need to add to this the, the fact that there will be much more for, for for the first time in ten years we will we, it will be a a, a recruiter's market and mm-hmm. not a job seekers market so we, we we will end up with far more job seekers than, than jobs available. So, so employers will have the upper hand again. Um, they, 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 will, they will be able to dictate the terms. And if trunk worked before, unless somebody does something about it, trunk will remain a part of our scenery.
0: There'll they'll just be more awareness around it. So, so, so possibly people will ask more or, or maybe customers will ask, right, to say, hey, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to put the service charge, but instead I'll, I'll leave a tip in cash now. for, 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 for the It's team.
1: complicated. It's very complicated. I think, I think the way to do it is for the government to cancel trunk, yeah, but, to, but, to, to, to make it unlawful, uh, to add service on the bills. Um, um, um and to just let waiters take the tips, uh, if if they're being given some, and that's it.
0: And, and outside trunk, do you think that what are the other changes you think that the industry will uh, might might see, or do you, do you think it's going to continue as as it is? Uh, put trunk to one side. I
1: mean, I mean, you know, the 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 uh, the same things that attract young people to the industry also attract young entrepreneurs to the industry, um, and these are unrational um, uh, uh, pools if you like. Um, uh, people think they open a restaurant and they become uh rock stars overnight. Um, Don't you? Oh yeah, I, I did, <laughs> but it's not happening. to <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Not everybody. No. Um, it's 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 it there's a glam factor of running a restaurant, and all the TV shows you know that 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 sponsor it. Now I, I can't remember how many million pound menus or, uh, master chefs or whatever are, are out there. Um, there's a glam factor. I don't know why, but there's a glam factor seems to be on the industry, and I don't think it's it's going to diminish. Um, and then when people want this glam, they tend to look away from other hazards mm-hmm. um, that, that, that the business might be inherit to the business. I think generally the the industry is probably at at the lowest. One one thing I noticed in this crisis, and I've been having conversations with our investors and my, my partners, is maybe. The industry as a whole will become less investable. Mm.
0: Um,
1: I think you know you've got the likes of what White Rabbit, Mobius, Imbiber, Luke Johnson, and a whole host of um, private equity funds who have been fueling the, the the you know the the growth of the industry over the last sort of I would say five to ten years. Um, you know, uh, restaurants were, were being bought for a million pound a site. Um, <clears throat> not the freehold, <laughs> just the operation. Uh, you could get 10 times your EBITDA um, in, a, in a company sale. And that led some companies to be sold for a quarter of a, a, quarter of a billion pound, you know. So, uh, so, and I'm thinking what we see now is the industry, the hospitality industry has been impacted by the global financial crisis of 2008. It's then been impacted by national minimum wage. It's then been impacted by the increase in business rates. It's then been impacted by brexit and now it's being impacted by a virus and it seems like this industry has no resilience um has um, uh, no mitigating assets, if you like, Mm-mm. to any crisis. It seems like a crisis of any kind. The first thing that's going to hit is the hospitality industry. And I'm thinking, if this, if this is likely to change the matrix, the investment matrix that big funds are using, and that will slow down the growth, uh, uh, the opening rate of the industry. In turn, that will lead to more cash responsible operators, um, and to better managed businesses. All in all. Um, uh, that could only have a positive impact, mm. I think. If 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 the if the industry as a whole becomes slightly less glamorous, slightly less of a cash cow, and, and, and more of a food and hospitality business, uh if if it's likely to go back to that direction, then it, then it's of course um uh, it's a benefit for everybody.
0: Yeah, come back um, to the roots, come back to 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 the to the hospitality in, in its essence. As, yes. as such, yeah. Um. It, what one last question on 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 COVID. Um, so clearly, the government's like thinking now about like this Fourth of July reopening. Um, how, how do you see the summer, or, 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 and from from Morso's point of view, and, and generally for the industry at large, like how do you think uh, what shape do restaurants reopen in over the summer?
1: I I think you will have a staged um, a return to business. Um, so the the first businesses that will reopen is the the drive-ins, the drive-throughs, and we can see them opening already. And, and yeah, I've seen w- crazy long
0: queues at those at some of those, right?
1: Yeah. If there's a McDonald's drive-in not far from my home, and I dread the three days I have to to, to wait it's almost three days. I'm thinking I have to wait in my car before I get <laughs> before I get to it. Such a novelty, <laughs> but um, but uh, so I think the drive-throughs uh, will will return pretty quickly, um, which is a welcome change. But it's not hospitality, this is food consumption and it's slightly different. Um, and then really if you have a, a large patio or a garden, and I, I really hope for the pubs because I think they've been the worst hit, but it, but normally pubs have a big garden, so so especially in the countryside. Uh, and, and if they can go back into business and just have loads of trestle tables out in the garden uh, and, and do remote ordering apps so people order to the table number and the waiters just have to bring it in, uh, I think that's what we will see a lot of um, uh, coming in, coming, and maybe possibly private dining. I think if I'm allowed to do a private dinner in a restaurant, so close it for fifteen members, people, members of the same family. Um, I would do that. Um, so this will happen. Now the second phase, uh, will normal restaurants reopen with plexiglasses and and uh, masked waiters and two meters apart tables and, um. A twenty minutes lag between every table sitting to the next one because you have to sanitize everything properly the chairs and all. I, I, I first I dread that view and second I I I I, uh, I think it unlikely. I think if the government leaves it down to operators, there will be a few crazy ones who will do it. Um, but there will be a lot of people who will just open the doors, and uh, which is is what I think should happen. Um, and let leave it to people's common sense um, uh, to gauge the risk and 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 decide whether they want to return or not um i I don't think that our our health um our responsibility for our health is a matter for government intervention, if you like, so beyond advice, I don't think there should be any steps taken further, so the government is not putting me in prison if I don't brush my teeth um, or if I eat too many chocolates and I think uh, you know it has to be pulled back um, to reasonable uh, to, re- to to the realm of reason really um, uh, you know the whole idea of lockdown was to stop the NHS from being overwhelmed um, nobody ever said we can beat the virus per se and the virus lives we have been co-inhabiting this planet with viruses since since we came onto the you know to existence so we're not going to beat a virus uh, but what we can do is slow the spread to allow the 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 national health service to accommodate for 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 it but we we've done that now i mean there are icus ready uh, there are two nightingale hospitals empty um, um, and and we have certainly flattened the curve so so, so, so there is no logic now in beating the virus. And I think giving the people the impression that the restaurant is a dangerous place to go to, and unless your table has been sanitized for 20 minutes before and, and, you know, and your waiter wears a mask and the chef is wearing you know, PPE, it's, it's, it's safe to go. It's a dangerous idea. Um, you know, uh, you have more, you're likely to have more bacteria on the edge of your keyboard or your mobile phone than you have on a toilet seat. So, and, and, and you know, you, know you, you, you put it to your face anytime, so I think uh, pointing out to restaurants as, 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 as places of, that are dangerous um, is sending the wrong message. And then putting all the measures in place to, to combat this is a double negative, because the message is wrong. What we should be worried about is fighting the message, saying no, restaurants are not unsafe, uh, socializing is not unsafe. Uh, coming back and visiting your mother in, is not unsafe um, if you are concerned to your health stay at home um, anybody else uh, you know just come to the restaurant and evaluate your own risk and, and 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 i hope i I hope we will see more of this happening
0: yeah i i, I you know on the the two meter rule that you you mentioned there about the, between the tables i i just don't see how they can enforce that you know like i mean,
1: it, it, I mean, first, it, it cannot be enforced, and many restaurants will not have any tables left uh, by by that point. Um, uh, you know, secondly, they're overworked as it is. So you you call the E H O to visit your restaurant, and they turn up a month and three, a year and three months later. So so what are they going to do now? Go and measure the ta- the, the distance between your tables? Um, um, so it cannot be enforced, and also. Now they're saying it's one meter, it's not two meter. And I'm just thinking, look, a virus is going to bloody live, you know, whether it's a one meter or a two meter or a three meter. I mean, if somebody sneezes at the end of the restaurant and the air condition carries it over, um, within five minutes it will be everywhere. And do you want to evacuate the restaurant every time somebody sneezes, fully sanitize it and then bring everybody back? I mean, it's insane. Um, Luckily, we know now, we have now science we didn't have three months ago when the crisis started we know now that mortality rates are extremely low and if you are a healthy under 60 or for that matter a healthy over 60 um um, you are at no risk of, of dying whatsoever from this virus i mean no more than you are of dying from a car accident or or anything else so um so so, I think giving the people the impression that there's a there's there, there is a silent killer out there, and and unless we wear masks and sanitize everything around us, we we will die. It's the wrong message, and I, I keep referring back to the Black Plague. I mean, people are saying, oh, it's like the Black Plague. I mean, the Black Plague took one in every three lives. Yeah, I mean, I live in a block of flats. Nobody died in that block of flats. So mortality is pretty low. Um, you know, I think if people, un- you know. If we saw the other side of it, if we saw uh, people are, uh, sorry for the for the image I'm painting, but if we saw people dying left, right and centre, if every household would have a casualty, nobody would be leaving their house and you would not need to enforce it. You only need to enforce rules when they become counter common sense.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, I think the, the, it's, a, it's a very interesting viewpoint and, and, and I think the, the, there's an element of difficulty also of, this lack of consistent data uh, and and you can understand that at the beginning of the crisis that there was no data but even now you're just it feels like we are overwhelmed by data and there is not a consistent like number we could look at and say hey these are the risks and and you're, you're right in pointing out that you know this is nothing to do with like the black plague or or, 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 or the Spanish flu of, of, of uh, you know 1920 and, and but but at the same time the reaction there's been. Uh, I, I'd love to see what data the government has been looking at to, to, to make these decisions, because, it, it, yeah, as you say, it's it's not like we're seeing lots and lots of this.
1: No, and you know, Christian, the, the the and this might be a topic for a completely different podcast, but, um, um, but you 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 have a um is whenever somebody tells you uh, science uh, is inconsistent you know there's something they're not telling you. Because if anything, science can only do one thing, which is be consistent. I mean, if it's inconsistent, it's not science. Yes? I mean, the way I feel towards my kids is inconsistent. You know, some days they're annoying me and some days they're annoying me less. But,
0: <laughs> but they're always annoying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and there is nothing scientific about that. Uh, but the fact is that you can measure to a split-second accuracy, the speed in which a stone falls from a bridge, um, is science. And if somebody tells you science is being inconsistent, you should worry very much as to what science they're looking at. The, you know, the problem is, you know, the government very early on took Neil Neil Ferguson, I think is the name of the... Neil Ferguson is, a, is one of the chief advisors to the government on um, a, a infectious diseases and uh, he's been the one behind the response to the uh what was it the the plague that made us kill a lot of cows a few years back oh
0: yeah uh, it's the, the mad cow disease
1: uh yes i think it was a mad cow uh, disease and and, and he's an advisor to the government and he's basically done a, 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 an exponential model that says well if one person infects three and if 6 out of every 100 die uh we will see up to half a million deaths in the uk um you can call this science, but I can do this science on an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, you just take a number and you drag the table all the way to the end. Um, you can call this science, but 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 how you know? But you have to factor. You know, a scientist would look into the six percent mortality and say, you know, what is it made of? You know, what age groups? What underlying conditions? What um, you know? Um, lifestyles, uh, climates, and by the time you break all of these elements down, you you realize that healthy under 60s is normal. Who have access to sanitation, to running water, to to healthy food, to vitamin, to vitamins, to open air, they will not die from this disease. Um, and nobody, nobody has raised that flag, and and we are now in a position where we are we have to deal with it with the consequences of a lockdown, um, which we're not even sure it's been effective at all. There's many much evidence to show it hasn't been.
0: I think I think uh, yeah, I, we uh, there will be many years of looking back at all, all this time and and debates as to whether how, how much we flattened the curve and how much uh, uh, how much the the, this, the right and wrong decisions and the interesting thing is going to be looking at how different countries did it and how that affected it right like the yes. decision. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing having this chat. I, I have a few quickfire questions that I like okay. to finish off on, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you four and and, uh, and just tell me what the first thing that comes to mind. Um, so I'll I'll start off. Uh, what was your favourite restaurant or pub when you were still allowed to go out? And you can't name more so obviously.
1: The Clifton on the other on the other, on the other road. <laughs> Why? Um, they're friendly. The neighborhood food's rel- relatively good. Service is good, and um, we're friends with the owners.
0: <laughs> cool, good reason. Uh, what's your favorite food? Favorite cuisine? Like, what's what's something that you really look forward to to, to eating?
1: Unfortunately, uh, don't, uh, don't take my uh, like a, a donor. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: How often do you get one of those?
1: <laughs> <laughs> not not often enough, a sticky, greasy donor.
0: <laughs> Love it. Um, if you had to choose just one of the three, uh, which one would you choose? Starter, main, or dessert? Dessert. I'm, oh, dude, that's, that's me too. I, like, I can't finish a meal without an that. And then finally, last meal on earth, what would that be?
1: Uh, do you know a schnitzel?
0: Yeah, of course. Well, to, to explain what it is for the for, for the listeners,
1: well, it's you call it you can call it Escalo, but it's a you know it's a thinly sliced uh, breast of chicken, uh, dipped in egg, flour, and uh, breadcrumbs, deep fried, and it, it becomes nice and juicy and a little crispy on the outside, and you can probably go through a kilo and a half of these before you realize you've <laughs> you've gone too far, and, <laughs> and,
0: and, and, and 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 with hummus, I like, I mean, I I, I was I just imagine. about to say hummus. <laughs>
1: I was just about to say homeless on the side definitely
0: yeah perfect. Yeah, yeah cool well, listen uh, Barack thank you so much uh, I've really enjoyed our chat uh, thank you for making the time uh, and same uh, good luck with uh, with all the reopenings really impressed with it, how what what you've done at Morso and how you guys have really helped with the community uh, and uh, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing you guys reopen fully
1: thank you yes same here Christian and uh, yes I hope to see you soon In a pub.
0: Same here. Thank you so much for listening. If you want even more insights and tips, you can head over to Tenzo's blog linked in the description or follow at Tenzo Inc. on Twitter and LinkedIn and Tenzo PPL on Instagram. Hope you have a great day.